0: What's up, guys? Welcome into the OBR film breakdown presented by FanDuel. I'm your host, Jake Burns, and we are talking through the all twenty-two of the Browns' performance in their twenty-seven thirteen win over the Texans. Not a ton of pretty stuff to talk about here uh, in terms of of offense. It was a really weird game. There are like, listen, I should take that back. There are plenty of good things that happened in this game, but uh, overall, not a resoundingly confident, uh, confidence inspiring performance. Let me put it that way. I think. Um, you know, we'll start on defense, and I'm, I'm sorry this is coming out a bit late. Had some technical difficulties last night, had to get some stuff squared away, uh, get it out here today. I'm just going to kind of go through quick both sides, and we'll we'll make this a tidy podcast. We'll be back with Jared Mueller tomorrow. But, um, defensively, listen, overall, it was, it was fine. You know, they held the Texans to a, a meager amount of yards, kept them under 300, kept them at 286, kept the yardage on the, um, you know, rushing game under 100 for the second straight game, and that matters, right, keeping that group down to 82 when you knew they were going to run it a lot. They actually only ended up running it 20 times on designed runs, but that's because the second half dictated they needed to throw it a lot, and they really did give Kyle Allen 39 throws. Some some really interesting early game throw decisions, putting a lot of things in his lap, and he is, you know, Kyle Allen's fighting like hell he's trying. He's just not very talented. He's not He's not anywhere near talented enough to to matter in the NFL, and they continue to give him chances to throw it, which I found, I found pretty interesting. The Browns ran base twenty-five times in this game, and the interesting wrinkle was having, um, you know, Tony Fields play Will JOK play Sam and three linebacker sets. I thought that was interesting. Trying to get JOK to the run strength a bit more often. Obviously, Fields comes off when it is. You know, uh, a nickel situation. So that's not all too, it's not all too surprising. But what is going to be peculiar is how much now Fields plays alongside JOK. Obviously, as you're dealing with Taki Taki tearing that ACL, which is a terrible, terrible outcome for Taki because guy that had really started to put it together as a three down linebacker in, in the midst of a contract year. I hope there's a resolution that involves him staying in Cleveland. We'll see how that shakes out. 26 snaps of nickel, six snaps of dime. So not too many dime snaps. And really the Browns played this game like like they were pretty clear that um, the Texans were not a very efficient passing football team. A lot of upticks in man. So, you know, in this one they played more man-to-man coverage than I'd seen them play in many games since the turn of the bye. Now, again, turn of the bye, you have Buffalo, dangerous receiver unit. You have Miami, the most speed in the NFL. Obviously, and Tampa, who who possess uh, possesses four dangerous wide receivers, so having an uptick in man against Nico Collins and and Philip Dorsett and Chris Jones, like it's not it's not at all you know uh, sorry Chris Moore, it's not at all a surprise. So they upticked in man. They ran forty one percent of third downs. They ran man coverage, cover one. Uh, they played a lot of cover three, a lot of closed coverage, trying to take away run fits. Uh, and, and then thus, obviously, being able to play man-to-man off of it without much fear. Didn't get burnt very much in this. A couple situations of blown coverage, but for the most part, and I wouldn't call it blown coverage, just beat coverage. Uh, I, I would say for the most part, there were opportunities for the Texans. It's not like the Browns were, I, I thought, a lockdown unit in this game. But Kyle Allen, wildly inaccurate. The Browns took advantage of getting in some passing lanes, and uh, overall, I would say the bad quarterback play helped more than considerably great coverage, put it that way. The thing that was concerning in this game was the tackling. 17 missed tackles, I did not like that. They did end up with 16 stop tackles, which are tackles constituting a failure for the offense, which is good, but the missed tackles, the volume of those missed tackles, I thought was a little bit concerning considering... You know what they were trying to get done. If they would have tackled better in this game, they would have held him around two hundred and uh, taken away some of those some of those yards. Damian Pierce is obviously uh, in and of himself a really big problem uh, in terms of getting him to the ground. But they, they just didn't tackle very well in this game. And I don't think, it, like I said, a lot of the missed throws, the the fumbled quarterback sneak that turns into a touchdown, the lucky bounce, and it, it, you know the pressure from Winovich and getting his hand on it that works out. Fields picks it off. Those are just kind of freak plays, so I wouldn't say those were some remarkably great plays, but for the most part, it's hard to be upset with the defense. They had uh, one, two, three, four, six guys over uh, 70 grade, which is great. Taven Bryan puts together his best game of the year, um, including an 86 pass rush grade. Miles Garrett, 72.2. Alex Wright is 78.0. His best graded game of the year with 27 snaps, including a really nice run defense grade of 72.0. He had Ronnie Harrison, but he only played nine snaps. But he had uh, Greg Newsom, fifty-six. As he had a pass breakup, he should have had an interception. And then Tony Fields gets an eighty-one point six, uh, including an eighty-nine point two run defense grade. Uh, so that that those are all encouraging uh, numbers. Down at the bottom of the defense, Ben Still fifty-three point seven, Martin Emerson a fifty-one point six, including you know allowing that touchdown catch. John Johnson a forty-nine point seven. And a lot of these guys are are really hurt by tackling grades. Winfrey, a 48.0. Although Winfrey was the most active he's been, I'll give him credit. He he did some encouraging things in this game, anchoring, splitting double teams, and doing some different stuff that I haven't seen him do. So the grade isn't great, but it's not, uh, in my opinion, it wasn't a bad game from him. Greedy Williams, only eight snaps. He grades it a 42.1. JOK, one of his worst efforts of the year. Uh, down at a 37.8. The coverage was bad. He was jumping a lot of flat routes and curl flat, giving wide open passing windows. A couple times he was beat badly on play action, and he didn't tackle all too well either. So he gets a he gets a low mark. Uh, run defense grades. Uh, Fields has the best at an 89.2. Uh, working down, Newsom in 87.8. Miles Garrett 72.3. Alex Wright 72.0. I thought the defensive ends did a nice job of. Redirecting, which is always really encouraging to, to be more active on plays that are either set-the-edge types or spill types. I thought they did a nice job. J.O.K. and Tony Fields both had two stop tackles, and then there was a slew of guys with one. Winfrey, Delpit, Elliott, Bryan, Takitaki, Miles, and Deion Jones all get a run-play stop tackle. The missed tackles, there was a missed tackle from Winfrey, Emerson, Delpit, Fields, Elliott, Ward, and Johnson. In this regard, I thought the run defense – in terms of making sure people were down relatively strong there weren't a ton of missed tackles that hurt in that phase so when you look at Damian Pierce's number from this game I again I think it was it wasn't maybe the best performance the Browns have ever had they did give up uh, only one run of 10 plus which is nice but they did allow Pierce to have six missed tackles forced and 42 yards after contact. So, again, fine. You're nitpicking if you got a bunch of problems with it. I didn't have much problem with it. The passing phase is where things were a little bit more, uh, a bit of a struggle in terms of getting people to the ground and and, and assuring some things, and they're lucky some of the throws were missed. The highest grade pass rush-wise was Taven Bryan, who gets an 86.5. He has a pressure in the game. Ah, uh, Jordan Elliott gets a seventy-eight point four, so really encouraging to see your interior guys grade with your best pass rush stuff because the bad that has not been a common theme for the Browns. They only did get eight pressures though. Miles Garrett got three of them. Jadevian Clowney got two. Winovich ended up with one, which he ended up knocking up into the air to create that uh, interception. And JOK had one as well. True pass set, rush grades, uh, those predictable passes. Jadevian Clowney had an eighty-five point four. Clowney, um, sorry, uh, Elliott seventy-eight point eight. Alex Wright is sixty nine point eight uh, in those, so those were uh, promising. And the, but there are only three true pass set pressures. Those three pressures are Taven Bryant, Miles Garrett, Jadevin, Clowney. So those are your best marks there. Uh, the coverage stuff. This is where you saw a lot of the missed tackle play into it, right? There were ten missed tackles in coverage, which you don't like to see. Jok and AJ Green both missed two. Emerson Newsom, Fields, Ward, Greedy Williams. Deion Jones also also missed a tackle. the Browns only blitzed on nine dropbacks so that's important to remember if you're looking at how Kyle Allen played in this game um, you know he he ended up putting together against uh pressure. he got pressured on only eight of those dropbacks he was three of eight for 50 yards and he was kept clean he was 17 of 31 for 151 a touchdown and an interception. he had two turnover worthy plays no big time throws, two batted down passes and then his worst mark was when he was blitzed he was 4 of 9 for 42 yards including that interception and then uh but not not promising all around i mean he was a, a total cumulative 29.7 pass grade it was a really rough Kyle Allen performance which obviously the fumble and all of that leads into how the browns ended up winning this game coverage marks though uh looking at those Top coverage grade, Newsom in the slot. Again, dropped an interception. He jumped in a cover three look where he had to curl flat. Uh, should have ended up making that play, but uh, but again, it was a nice play. He had a 79.0 coverage grade. Taki Taki is 77. Delp at 72.6. Ward 64.7. Jones 60.7. Deion Jones in 17 snaps at the bottom. JOK, I had referenced earlier, thought He struggled. Uh, in coverage in this one, he gave up five of six catches for 43 yards when targeting his area, and then Emerson at a 56.1 and John Johnson a 49.6. Even though Jok had an interception, i sorry, John Johnson had an interception that sort of just landed in his hands after after the uh, Browns ran a corner blitz on that first play that left the tight end wide open. Pretty fortunate to come away with that interception. So that's the defense again, fine, uh, nothing crazy, not any exotic blitzes to make note of. Uh, just an uptick in man-to-man, uptick in close coverage, uh, which was really noteworthy to me, obviously, because they feel like they have the personnel that could give the Texans fits in that regard. So um, yeah, that's the defense. Let's jump to the offense real quick. We'll be right back after we take our break. Hey guys, telling you again about the Fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel, America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get $100 in free bets with an early sign-up bonus. Now, again, reminder, you cannot get this offer if you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year when when it's a go-live date for sports betting in Ohio. You have to do it early. You get an early sign-up bonus by using the promo code OBR. Very simple. Just OBR. Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real-money sports wager in Ohio, 1-1 of 2023. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
1: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed.
0: All right, offense for the Browns in this one. Interesting decision to dress nine offensive linemen. Obviously left themselves shorthanded, wide receiver. I'm not sure if Demetrik Felton was supposed to be playing as much as he was in this one, but Anthony Schwartz with his concussion, you lost David Bell, I think to a wrist issue early in the game. That meant you were down bodies. Felton had to play more than maybe any of us anticipated. And, uh, you know, the extra tight end, the Browns aren't carrying a third playable tight end, so they're bringing in a sixth offensive lineman. They're in a weird spot with that stuff with David out with an injury. They played 11 personnel snaps. They played 46. If you include Felton as a wide receiver, which I do, I do not see him as a running back, although all the popular news outlets who cover the game, Pro Football Focus and True Media, still list him as a running back. They ran 12 personnel 11 times with Pharaoh Brown. Actually, I stand corrected 12 times because that did include the uh, Demetric Felton addition to the two two tight ends on the field. Houston ran 16 snaps of base, 40 snaps of nickel. They did not get exotic with wild defensive back looks, and they they are different than any other team coverage wise. They play a lot of cover two, more cover two than any team in the league, and they, they 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 based on this Lovey Smith look that is two high safeties, two deep safeties, two down corners. But they didn't play it as much. They actually got pretty hyper aggressive, played more cover three and cover one in this game. They had about a 24 percent cover two look and that's leading the league in cover two in the NFL they played 24 percent of that cover two throughout the year in this game though they only played eight percent of cover two only five snaps in cover two which was a significant decrease than what they had normally done obviously you know wanting to get an extra safety toward the line of scrimmage and, and create havoc in the run game and force Watson to in his first game back make a bunch of throws, which as we saw was a pretty sound strategy as Watson was clearly very rusty. They played quarters in cover three. They played 18% of quarters in this game. uh, So they played more uh, bailout uh, coverage for vertical flood-based concepts, took those away. 7% uh, uh, snaps defensively for the Texans this year had been in quarters, an uptick to 18% in this game alone. They only blitzed six times. Um, um, five of those six blitzes were on first down. So Watson in this game, as we know, 12 of 22, he had 131 yards, a 55.8 overall offense grade boosted by an 80.3 run grade. The passing grade alone was a 48.3 under pressure, which is where I have talked about is the spot that that you you would see him struggle, right? Um, You can simulate a lot of things. You can simulate concepts. You can simulate timing. You can simulate placement. You can simulate rushes. You cannot simulate properly a loud environment, your first game back, or any game of these six, doesn't even have to be your first game back, and, and having live bullets rushing you and actively trying to take the football away from you and throwing against pressure. That is difficult. That is very difficult to simulate, and I don't think it should be surprised to anybody that Watson struggled the most dealing with pressure in throwing against pressure because most of his issues, the interception, a couple of the spiked balls that were low, uh, including the one that Kareem caught, were on pressure-based situations where he didn't get his whole body into it. And you could see there needs to be a reacclimation to throwing against chaos in your face because that's something you cannot simulate through practice and throwing sessions. And a reminder, he's even had limited practice this, practices this year and he wasn't taking live first-team, second-team, third-team reps for the Texans last year as he was just sitting out. So there's been a long layoff here. There's more rust than any of us want to admit, and I was even on the low side of the rust. I was expecting more. It's going to take some time. I am not feeling encouraged about the Cincinnati game this weekend. They're trying to do a nice job, like the Browns ran nine read options and seven RPOs, both. uh, I think if you add up the first three years of Kevin Stefanski's tenure, well, two and a half you would see that, that's, that they did as many in this game as he's done in his entire tenure, even including his Minnesota days as an OC. Like, There's a clear, we want to get him comfortable, we want to do some things that he's comfortable with, but there's also, obviously, an, a desire to, to keep him out of uncomfortable situations right now because they don't have a trust he's comfortable in those uncomfortable situations the way he once was when he was clicking at the peak of his powers. He can get there, he'll get back there, it's more... Rep, 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 getting used to it again. But there's a difference between again, throwing sessions, practices, training camp, and actually dealing with loud crowd, loud environment, big third down, gotta make a throw with somebody barreling down in your face, and getting used to it with how your offensive linemen block. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. So it'll happen. I think it'll come. I'm just not sure when. I'm not I, I can't really give an accurate timeline on that. It could start to click for him this weekend against Cincinnati. I would be surprised, but it would it would be Uh, It wouldn't surprise me though, if it took the entire rest of the six games to start to get this guy feeling comfortable with NFL speed, current concepts, because things have changed. Defenses have evolved a little bit since 2020 and 2019, his most active portions of playing. So it's going to take some time. All right. Some of us are trying to sell positivity. I think I got a little too, too sternly on the side of he's going to get back quickly and it's going to work. I like that. They're incorporating the concepts for him that he's comfortable with and some of the wrinkles they've talked about. But again, empty personnel or shotgun it's third and eight it's going to take some time it's just he's got to get the feel for they were encouraging throws made a great throw on a dig on a third down uh third and seven for a, a first down made a nice backside slant throw on a third down it'll come he can still escape the pocket but the eyes were dropping right he was feeling Sped up his entire mental process felt rushed and from the rushed mental process. I thought his mechanics became rushed and that's why the throws were going low whenever your arm is beating your hips through the ball is going to end up low more often than not because you're dragging the backside of your body. Thus, the arm can't properly come through with the whip you need it to and deliver an upfield accurate ball. So uh, I think there's still more schematic stuff they can do. There's still more play action stuff they can do, but they've got to make sure to keep continuing to alleviate pressure as much as they possibly can. We'll see if the Bengals want to blitz more or if they just want to play a bunch of man and make Watson uncomfortable in the pocket. Plenty to be seen in this one coming up this weekend. Um, uh, Watson in play action was 4 of 8 with that interception, 49 yards. That's his lowest pass grade. Non-play action, 8 of 14, 82, a 61.6. His screen, he had two screens for 15 yards. One was an RPO. Non-screen, 10 of 20 for 116 an interception. He had no big-time throws, but he did have the one turnover-worthy play. Receiving grades, the highest receiving mark went to Kareem Hunt with an 83.8. He caught a third down, Check down for a first down early in the game, a third and five, and then did a good job in scramble drill, working upfield and then coming back to the sideline for another catch on a second and long, so he gets two catches, 18 yards. Amari Cooper, nine targets, four for 40, 76.1, tried to hit a takeoff. There was a miscommunication there. Uh, Caught that nice dig route, had some nice efforts. Cooper will be fine. I think he'll continue to get plenty of targets. Farrell Brown at 71.4, caught an 11-yard slice route on that RPO. A little flip to him. Donovan Peoples-Jones catches all three targets for 44 yards, 65.2 in that just delightful special teams effort on punt return. You can really see it clicking for Donovan, man. Really. It's beautiful. I posted the video on my timeline. Check that out. David Bell had one target before he left injured. Nick Chubb was 0-1 for 1 on his target. Demetrik Felton 0-2. for 2. They use Felton as the jet sweep guy on the read flat wheel concept. I wrote that up on Monday. If you want to go check that out at the OBR, you can find it. That concept is uh, predicated on a fly sweep or jet sweep guy taking off, getting upfield. Felton did a nice job in that role. I don't think they want him to play an expanded wide receiver role, but nonetheless, he was out there, and I thought he did okay. They missed him once. A ball landed at his feet, and another time they didn't throw it to him. I thought he had a chance. Harrison Bryant caught his one catch for six yards. Schwartz catches one for 12. Does a nice job on the stick route, but hey, brother, you got to know that there are DBs swarming from everywhere, and you have to tuck that thing away high and tight. Run grades. We talked about Watson. Six carries, 21 yards. 80.3 run grade. Nick Chubb is 76.1, forces three missed tackles, has two runs of 10 yards or more, nine zone runs, seven gap runs. So that's an uptick in zone in this one. So not a bad game from Nick. He had 80 yards on 17 carries. Texans made it difficult, played a lot of guys down in the box. I think that'll continue. The Bengals will be extremely aggressive against the run, as they should be until there's a reason to not be. And Watson is what you hope is eventually the antidote for that, can make teams pay At some point, Kareem Hunt had a nice game, 9 carries, 56 yards, a 6.2 average, a rare time where Kareem, out yards per attempts, Nick, uh, and this one was nice. And he did a good job of bouncing off some tackles. He forced four missed tackles on uh, nearly half the carries of Nick, so you like that. 43 yards after contact, two 10-yard runs or more, Um, and, and I think that's really great. He had one breakaway run, two of Nick's were breakaway runs, which are 15 or more. Uh, but you like that. Six zone carries, three gap carries for Kareem. A good game overall. Schwartz had one carry for six yards on a jet sweep. A little fun jet sweep again on fourth and short where they brought Jacoby in to Harrison Bryant. I liked that wrinkle. Continuing to look at ways to combat teams that think the sneak is coming on third and one or fourth and one. And then Jerome Ford got some carries at the end of the game. Three attempts, only three yards. Loaded out boxes. Was not going to be much to be had there. Uh, pretty surprised, though, that Jerome Ford got in ahead of uh, Dearness Johnson, that caught me by surprise. Blocking grades uh, in this one. Collective blocking grades overall. Offense grade, Joel Batonio, stellar game, 83.9. Uh, looking at just your offensive linemen in this one. Jack Conklin, a 69.0. Then it goes kind of downhill. Yodi Froholt, 39. Uh, run blocking, or total snaps of offense. He has a 63.9. Wyatt Teller, a 48.8, and then Jedrick Wills, one of his worst games of the year, 41.1. When you dig into pass blocking, Betonio was great, 86.4. If you're looking again, just offensive line here. Froholt, the two people who struggled. Conklin was a 72.3. He gave up a pressure in this one that wasn't credited but should have been. Betonio, an 86.4. A Teller, a 68.8. Teller gave up a hurry. Jedrick Wills is a 23.1 with an 8 pass-blocking grade and true pass sets. He gave up 4 hurries and a quarterback hit, 5 total pressures. And then Yodi Froholt uh, gave up 1 hit. for pressure. So uh, 5 of the 7 pressures came from Jedrick Wills. I don't know, man. I want, I want to believe in Jed. I really do. But it's hard when week in, week out. You can't really count on him to be consistent right now. You just you just can't and uh it's it's really tough he he's he's inside vulnerable sometimes stops uh the upfield pass rushes the the club rip the swipe where a dn's trying to bend the corner he won't run them far enough past the quarterback almost giving up too early and there are far far too many still shots of him stopped looking around while other people are still playing through the whistle i have to imagine it's one of the most maddening things for Bill Callahan to look at. I don't know how you fix it. I really don't. There's a larger discussion on Jed to be had, but it's he's maddeningly inconsistent for the talent that he has. Run blocking grades in this one. Betonio is 77.8, was good in both phases. Again, frohold is 65.7, better in zone than in gap, where he's not he's not all too heavy. He doesn't do a great job of gapping down and taking away someone's ability to penetrate Conklin with a 65.5, better in zone than gap. Teller with a 52.0, 59.2 in zone, gap 47.6. I still think the ing- the lingering issues of the calf are messing with him. He's just not playing with his usual power. Jed Wills at 47.4. He was a 47.3 in zone blocking and a 53.9 in gap. So uh, not not a game for him, not a very good game. You're looking at special teams... I'm going to write about Cade York. He is struggling, kicking off the football. It happened. He's hitting these knuckleballs on the seven-step run-up kickoff stuff. He's hitting these knuckleballs that happened. One happened against in Detroit against the Bills. He had two in this game, and then he stopped kicking from seven steps and started kicking from three steps like a true PAT or field goal and puts a couple of them in the end zone. He is He's just battling a lot of first-year inconsistency with striking the football. So really not a great game from him. He did kick it better, which is what matters more than anything else, how well he handles the field goals and PATs. He was 2 of 2 on field goal opportunities and then made all of his PATs a little better, I thought, in the alignment and process of his plant foot. So that's encouraging. Um, Looking at special teams grade, Jordan Kunisik with a 91.7 special teams grade and is among the highest graded from pro football focus in special teams as he creates a forced fumble on that punt return uh from the texans which ends up being recovered by tony fields mike brown who came up for this game from the practice squad in 82.5 greedy williams is 78.5 even though greedy sometimes is really really passive in kick return stuff that's uh a discussion for another day winovich is 75.0 all of which is encouraging schwartz not a great one he missed too many tackles on on as a gunner in this one didn't do a great job there so his mark isn't all too high. They also charted fields with a missed tackle. His miss tackle, which was crucial, was after the safety punt, which was a boomer from Corey Bjorquez who put together his, after struggling for weeks, he put together his best performance as a Browns punter. Six punts, a 51.8 yards per attempt, a net of 44.8, four punts inside the 20. Like, really phenomenal stuff. Two of those were down, one was fair caught. Schwartz again caught the ball off the bounce at the 10 yard line when it could have got down inside the like down inside the five is a huge bounce. Ronnie Harrison and Schwartz have both done that this year. It's inexcusable for professionals to not know where they're at. You've got to cover it down at the one yard line. Anyway, here nor there. Bjorques deserves a shout out. He was really good in this one. Really good. York, we're going to write this up. His inconsistencies and where he's struggling a little bit. He's so talented. I mean, to be able to take three steps on kickoff like it's a PAT and put that thing into the end zone for touchbacks makes you wonder why they're even trying to do the sky kick stuff or any of the alternate things. He should just be doing what he's best at, and this is just take three steps and kick it into the end zone. That's going to secure the ball at no less than the 25 every time. So we'll try to write up Cade. I want to also put into uh, digital format for you why I think Watson was spiking some of those throws. So we'll see if we can get to that. This was a short version, guys. I'm sorry technical difficulty stuff happened last night. I apologize for that, but I want to get this uh, all 22 thought process uh, posted. So uh, there's all the data I have. Um, you know, I wanted to post that to you, let you know what the Texans did on both sides of the ball to mess with the Browns and what the Browns did to answer in terms of the read option RPO stuff. Uh, but again, not a bad run game for the Browns, especially not bad considering 176 yards when The Texans were playing defense predicated on stopping that phase because they wanted to make Watson have to beat them in his uncomfortable return. So not bad at all considering that. But they have to be so much more diverse against two defenses that are coming over the next two weeks, and and Watson has to really step his game up, like really step his game up. We'll see how it shakes out. Thanks for stopping by today. Check out the OBR for some good content I think I'm going to have up in the next few days. Well worth your time. We'll get with Jared Mueller. We'll do Chalk Talk on Tuesday night. Uh, get with Kyle and then again check in with Jared uh, for tomorrow's episode and we should have our consistent list of guests this week thanks for stopping by guys have a great day go Browns